and welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 19. I'm Evan Marinovsky alongside Boston Sports Journalist Connor Ryan. Connor, how we doing? Evan, I'm thankful, man. Thankful uh-huh. to be recording episode 19 of Poke the Bear with you. I'm thankful we finally have some Bruins news to actually talk about on this show, which is great. And, of course, thankful to be celebrating Thanksgiving, albeit very differently this year, but be celebrating Thanksgiving uh, with some of my family. It's always a great time. So as, as shitty as this year has been, it's good to at least be able to celebrate it in some form. So hope all you guys out there are having a lovely Thanksgiving. Good Agreed. You- Oh, thank you. You too. Um, it sucks for me. I mean, we usually we have about 200 people for Thanksgiving. This, this year we're only doing 100. We're only doing wow. 100. That's good. And, 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 and we're, you know, we're not going to get that close. Mm-hmm. Maybe three feet. But we'll, we'll keep it, you know, distance like that. Usually we're all jam-packed together. This year we have a little more arm wiggle room. So okay. no COVID. There will be no COVID. But 100 people I think is, is good, right? That's what the CDC said, right? I mean, uh, yeah, you pretty much have cut it in half. So I, I think the math kind of, you know, we're not, we're not mathematicians here. We're sports, we're sports writers, but I think that works. Exactly. I think that works. I think they said 50%, not more than 10. I think they just said 50%. So we'll kick it at that. Obviously, I'm kidding. Uh, very different Thanksgiving. It's just me and, you know, my parents and my sister. It'll be fun. Um, I'm excited. I'm thankful for it. And also thankful this Bruins news. Um, and we'll get to Thanksgiving foods later in the show because uh, might get contentious. Can't start out that hot. Um, but uh, there is Bruins news. Jake DeBrusque resigns two years, uh, $3.675 million per year. Um, we didn't really expect this deal to come when it did. All of a sudden, it just hit. Um, and I, I, you know, it's funny. We both have said in the past that we thought this would be training camp deal. Or this would be like a right before training camp deal, but instead they do this a pre-Thanksgiving deal. Maybe the Bruins are thankful for Jake DeBrusque. But what were your initial reactions to this money and this deal? Uh, not really surprised. I think we both had said for uh, quite some time that most likely when you looked at just kind of DeBrusque situation, the team situation, and kind of the, str- the challenges of you know committing a lot of money during this time with the lack of revenue and uh, just the overall pretty dour fiscal market the NHL is in um, what made sense for both sides would be to do a short-term deal. And that's all ultimately, ultimately what they did. Um, and from the Bruins perspective, you have a, you know, a guy who his floor is 20 goals. He very well could be a 30 goal scorer um, for, you know, 3.675 million per year is a great value for that. Um, for DeBrusque, you know, it's uh, a nice, Bump and pay from I think you made about like eight hundred ninety thousand I think in salary. Yeah, it's that percentage of deal. Yeah, only eight hundred ninety thousand, but still very nice, a very nice bump and pay for him. Um, obviously, I'm sure he would ideally like to be paid kind of similar to what we saw maybe a few other guys in his draft class get. You know, like Konechny, I think got I want to say seven years and five point five million or, or something like that. Like or at least something where it'd be like you know four or five years four and a half, five million, something like that. But I think this is a good kind of common ground. Um, it seems like, you know, based on what Don Sweeney said, was said to us when he was talking about the deal that, you know, I think for as much as agents are, you know, always trying to get the best deal for their clients. I think everyone kind of has that understanding that there has to be some concessions and compromises over the next couple of years, just in terms of, you know, dealing with this flat cap. And so for DeBrus, uh, you know, perspective, he gets a nice pay bump uh, and he gets to hit the market again in two years, which I think he'll still be 25. I think he turns, he turned 26 in October of 2022. So 
uh, still sets himself up for a, a nice payday um, in a few years after you would think probably having another 20, 25, 30 goal season on his resume for not, not this next year where it's going to be shortened, but if it's a full 82 game schedule in 21, 22 seems pretty likely that he's going to hit a mock like that. So I think, I think you look at that deal. I don't know how you can really find any detractors really, because I think it works out for both sides over the next two years. Yeah, it works great for both sides. I mean, it's funny when all these deals the Bruins make with their own guys are always like, well, that's good. Like that, that was kind of the same thing here, right? I mean, you have the bridge deal, which we both think was the right option. I think that was the smart move by them, given the climate, given DeBrusque's inconsistencies at times, plus his potential. Um, and you know, it doesn't kill the Bruins. It doesn't break the Bruins bank. I mean, they still have, I believe 2.9 million in cap space, um, according to cap friendly. So, you can re-sign Jara easily with that money. Um, if you're going to, we'll get to that in a little bit. But to me, this makes sense. I think another interesting thing, and Fluto uh, wrote this in The Athletic, and I was taken aback by this. I didn't realize this was the stat. Um, Sweeney had no issues committing six years and $40 million to David Pasternak when the right wing had 59 goals uh, upon expiration of his entry-level contract. If you're counting, that's three fewer goals than DeBrusque has scored following his first three NHL seasons. So Jake DeBrus better than David Pasternak. As I, I think that's pretty much it, obvious, right? That's how it works, yeah. That's how it works. So that's what's going to happen. Uh, but interesting enough, I mean, I think in regular times, when put in that context, you wonder if the Bruins were going to go with that long-term deal. Sweeney mentioned that they were talking about a long-term deal um, early on, and it was his fault that it didn't really come to fruition. Uh, and I think that's really because the market. I think that's why, I think more so than... DeBrusque's play I think evidently the market probably dictated why they did not go with a long-term deal in this situation yeah I think that was definitely the the number one kind of obstacle there and um you know it's it's kind of surprising when Sweeney said that just in terms of the fact that you would think for maybe a guy like DeBrusque especially where he's such has been kind of a streaky scorer um a guy whose numbers you expect going to jump up over time you would imagine that he'd probably would want to do like a a short-term deal on his end just so that if he has another two, three years of 20-plus goals, he hits that 30-goal mark. And then as as he's kind of going to be doing now where he hits the market again at 26, you'd imagine he's setting himself up for a really good contract. Like, you you would imagine that DeBrus going into this offseason was looking at something like that just in terms of maximizing his value. The fact that a long-term deal was discussed, if you know, maybe more along the lines of, like, what a connect me – you know, uh, got on the market, then, um, you know, that seems like it'd be something that the Bruins would want to do more than DeBrasse, but the fact that it seemed like they were making efforts towards doing that, it's kind of encouraging in terms of just the fact of how the Bruins have been able to kind of, you know, lock down these uh, homegrown free agents and um, keep them under, you know, reasonable, you know, you know, under reasonable cap space just going forward and how they've been able to keep that flexibility with so many talented guys on the roster. So um, as you said, though, it's definitely the the kind of state of the market is what kind of impacted um, them kind of settling on a short-term deal. But again, as tough as this whole offseason has been for many teams in terms of just being able to, you know, deal with the cap and sign guys to reasonable deals. The Bruins still have some, you know, breathing room and some flexibility here with whether it be these cheaper deals or these kind of short-term deals that allow them to kind of not be saddled with any long-term commitments. 
Yeah, and it's funny. I also think an interesting part of this is kind of what the Bruins expect out of DeBrusque. Uh, you know, they're mentioning penalty killing. They're mentioning, uh, you know, more physicality, hitting more. Uh, you know, obviously he's strong on the forecheck anyways. I've never thought of DeBrusque as someone who hasn't been big on the forecheck, but they want him to be the F1 more. Um, and for those who don't know the lingo, that's when you're the first guy on the puck in the offensive zone. Uh, and, but, uh, it's different than I guess what we're used to out of DeBrusque. We're used to kind of him being the 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 goal scorer or you know the the more point product. We expect just kind of goals out of DeBrusque. I mean, when you think yeah. back to the last three years, we never thought like, oh, you know, DeBrusque's two way game needs to be better. It was always, oh, he just needs to score more. And yeah. it feels like the reason the Bruins want the penalty killing, they want the harder hitting, is kind of because they it can be a momentum booster for a guy like DeBrusque when he isn't scoring. And I think that I think that works out well. I mean, Cam Neely, not to compare them, but Cam Neely always used to say that when he wasn't hitting, he felt like his game was deteriorating. DeBrusque was taught when DeBrusque was meeting with us on Tuesday night, he was saying how, you know, he used to hit all the time and be very physical, and that kind of waned away in the NHL. And I think if they can come back, that's a big thing to have. I mean, it's kind of like in some ways you're bringing back Nathan Horton on that, on that uh, left side, so or that right side. So, I mean, do you think DeBrusque can sort of do this? Can DeBrusque be successful as a, you know, physical two-way type winger yeah I think I mean I think he has the the tools to do it and he kind of mentioned that it's not like it'd be something where he's drastically changing his game I mean he he said that it's not a situation where he's just going to be bowling over guys right he's not going to be like the new Nick Ritchie or something I was like gonna that. say but, he's the new Nick Ritchie <laughs> but uh you kind of look at his you know his style of play and you know he's a great skater he's as you said he's not really ever been a guy who isn't kind of the first guy in or is, you know, fighting for those pucks, you know, if he just gets better at it and kind of adheres more to the smaller details. I mean, you, you look at his game and rarely do you, you know, see a situation where he's either coasting or he's, you know, you don't really notice him. I mean, he's a guy who his underlying metrics always look great, right? Cause he's almost always getting shots off in great AI, sir. And, you know, generating quality chances is either, you know, they're going wide or, I mean, how many goals did he almost have in one of those games against Carolina where like he just was whiffing or something like that? Like he's usually putting himself in good spots. So that's why in the post. Yeah. That's why he's, you know, always at least a lock for around, you know, hovering on 20 goals because he puts himself in good spots to take these shots. So, um, but if you adhere to kind of the other details of the game, if you work on the forecheck, you know, disrupt passes, um, you know, recover pucks, those can be the difference between, you know, 17 to 19 goals to, you know, 25 goals if you start potting some of those chances. So I think for DeBrusque, who, you know, I think every time we, we've spoken to him at the end of seasons, he's always been very kind of candid with evaluating his game and the need to get better it's never ever ever you know a situation where he's like oh no it was a great year you know just keep what I'm doing it's always you know him talking about working on you know the consistency which he acknowledges something he has to work on or as he mentioned yesterday or on Tuesday rather um kind of rounding out his overall game and I think that you know that's not anything where it's a major ask for them where they need him to change his game but um for a guy like him who's also mentioned you know that when he's in those kind of scoring slumps, you know, it does kind of weigh on him. And if it's a situation where he can leave a game and, you know, maybe he didn't score a goal, but he had, you know, five, six hits, you know, he blocked a few shots, uh, still got, you know, five shots on goal, you know, created some rebounds. That's a positive kind of momentum booster. And you can leave that game looking at the, you know, you're not 
hopping on the box score every time you read and see just a zero in the goal column and be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm pressing now. Like you, you kind of adhere to the small details of the game and kind of round out your overall game. You can at least string together those consistent performances that I think a goal scorer like him can really kind of build on. I'd like to formally uh, claim the story. At some point this year, Jake DeBrusque will have a game where he's super effective. He has like six hits, you know, maybe gets in a fight. Blocks a bunch of shots, has no goals or assists. So good, good chances though. I call writing the the progression of Jake DeBrusque's story up to that point. Like the most valuable player on the ice was the guy who had no goals, and it was Jake DeBrusque. And and that's my lead. That's going to be my lead. That's going to be my whole story, and I claim it. So it's this is my story now. You guys can all write it after, but I claim that story now. It's so obvious to write, or at least so easy to write, in my opinion. Um, so I'm already I'm already claiming stuff for the 2021 season. So this, you me. can you can have the next pick in the story draft. That's you fine. can have the next pick. So you'll get the second overall pick, and then you get the third overall pick. Okay. Um, and then I'll go fourth. I don't know what my pick. It'll be uh you know, um, Selly season. Jake DeBrusque. That'll be my fourth overall pick. Um, it's always so, that's always consistent. That's always like when you can write every single year. Yes. It, it's like when you go into training camp and the guy says he's in the best shape of his life. You're like, all right. I knew this story was coming. Like, all right, there it all is. Right. I know what I'm writing today. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yes, DeBrusque, though, I, I think does have the capabilities to do all these things. I think it'll be interesting to watch how he sort of changes. I think it, it's, it's, it's really – I think it'll be good uh, for next to Krejci. And I think that – I mean, if he can start hitting, I don't see what, you know, the problem is with that as long as it's not taking away from, you know, goal scoring, which I don't think they would ever do. I don't think you're going to see DeBrusque be Nick Ritchie 2.0 or a goon. Um, so in other news, one thing Don Sweeney did hit on aside from Tarusk was Chara and nothing's changed. They're kind of waiting on him. Um, that's really it. The one interesting thing though, is Chara went out on, uh, I believe it was, was it Tuesday or Monday? I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, Tuesday, went out Tuesday and did his annual, uh, event where he gives Thanksgiving or gives food to, uh, different I believe it's, is it shelters around Boston or shelters and a few other different spots kind of all around the city. I mean, he, he hits up, I think like four or five different spots. So, yeah. And it's, it's really great what he does. I mean, it's, it, this has been every year for a while. Um, so obviously incredible uh, doing that. The interesting part of it though, is obviously Char is not a member of the Bruins right now, technically. I mean, I think we all kind of assume he is, but yeah. technically he's not, he's a UFA. Um, and in those pictures, when the Bruins posted him, you know, they pretended, you know, acted as if he was part of the team. Uh, and one of the pictures you can see like a Bruins car in the background, like it has like the logo on the back of the car and stuff. And I'm sitting there going, he's, I mean, my theory has always been he's either retiring or he's coming back on a one-year deal. This makes it feel like he's coming back on a one-year deal. Um, now, granted, this is a food drive. I don't think they're going to say no to this. I don't think they're going to be like, sorry, you're not really on the team, dude. Sorry. Uh, you're only Zidane Chara. But that, that still kind of piqued my interest. I was like, huh. Hmm. Not yeah. saying that that's like big. I mean, it's kind of, it's like where, it's like what NBA Twitter was doing with, um, it was Serge Ibaka. It was someone who posted a, vi- a picture of themselves on a plane going somewhere to like talk to a team, but they didn't say what team. Yeah. So like R- NBA Reddit analyzed the picture and like looked at rugs and stuff and compared it to like other teams, private jets. 
and figured out it was like the Brooklyn Nets. That was like when, <laughs> uh, that was like when Kawhi Leonard was like flying to Toronto and people were like were tracking the planes. Like you yes. found the and NBA Reddit fan like Twitter fans are or something else, but incredible. You know. But no, I, I mean, I agree in, in terms of just that it always seemed like the logical kind of scenario was going to be that Char was either going to be back on a one-year deal or uh, retire if he chooses to do that. Like, I know his agent mentioned that he got multiple offers, which I'm sure is the case. I'm sure there's probably a team like, oh, we can get a Hall of Famer for you know, a cheap contract, like especially this year where no one has money to kind of throw around. Yeah, of course, it makes no, that makes plenty of sense. But um I mean, you know, when you listen to Char, he he spoke briefly during the video, but, you know, it's just something that, I mean, for him and his family is important just to continue that tradition that has been going on for years now. I think Aaron Ward maybe first started it. Uh, back Aaron Ward the- and then Dennis Weidman. I read the thing, Dennis Weidman, and then Matt Bolesky and someone else. I forget who it was, but it was, but it, I know that it was uh, mm-hmm. started by Aaron Ward. Um, but, you know, for him, it's, it's definitely an important thing. And But also, I mean, you kind of can you know, maybe read the tea leaves or, or what have you, but you know, it's still, he's still living in Boston with his family. I mean, he's still got his roots here, obviously. Um, it just seems like if, if he is coming back, it's just going to be with the Bruins. And uh, based on what Don Sweeney said, it's kind of what we all kind of assumed is that, I mean, Chara has the, the, the right and the luxury to, you know, not have to be pressed to sign right now. I mean, you, you look at, um, kind of the state of the league right now. We don't, again, know when the league's coming back. We don't know what the parameters are. We, the last we heard, you know, end of last week, it was talking about this kind of fighting between the owners wanting more salary deferment and the players understandably being like, what the hell? We just signed a CBA extension in, in the summer. Like you're kind of dropping the songs right before we ready to get back to work. So um, I imagine for Chara, we're not going to get much clarity until they've agreed to kind of the parameters and some of those things. Because, I mean, for Chara, who's, you know, 43, going to be 44, I think, in March, um, you know, I don't think you're, you want to ramp up and go through the grind of a whole season again when uh, you don't know what this season's going to be like. And if it's a situation where it's going to be a complete shit show, and I don't blame a guy like him for being like, all right, like, Classy was pretty miserable. I don't think anyone liked the bubble. I don't think they're going to do a bubble again, but if it's going to be another thing like this where it's just going to be uh, just a, a bunch of kind of mishaps or, or, you know, a tough situation for the players, I could see him uh, retiring. But I, I think the logical thing is it's going to be one of those two scenarios. I don't expect to see him skating for the Florida Panthers or some other, you know, I don't think he would go to the Florida Panthers anyway, but any other team. Retirement. In the case. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the money and the years are done. Like, I would not be surprised if they've done the, like, the negotiations yeah. per se and said, we're going to do, if you come back, we're going to do one year, like 1 million or 1.5 million. And Char said, that's fine money as long as we don't do a bubble. And they're kind of just waiting until the season starts because it doesn't feel like he's done. And it doesn't feel like he wants to uh, retire. I do wonder um, who retires first, Brady or Chara? Uh, well, I don't know if Brady keeps on throwing up bombs. I get picked off like 10 yards off of where he's throwing at then. Who knows? But I feel like things like, I feel like Chara is like not a piece of he's, you know, retired. Cause I feel like he's, he's done everything. He, I mean, the, the way Chara has been able to keep up his game at this level playing hockey, 
especially his his bananas in terms of you know how he takes care of himself. I feel like Brady's just now fueled by just like his uh, just kind of the Brady competitive, whatever you want to call it, kind of thing. TV twelve. Yeah, like I, I feel like he's going to keep on trying, even if it eventually ends with him having like a you know twenty fifteen Manning season or something like that. Like I feel like that's going to be it's going to end like that, which is going to be sad. Like for as much as people are you know talking about Chara and the, the bubble, and it's like ah, oh, he's not you know, the, the Norris trophy, uh, regular guy, anyone again, no shit. Well, he's 43, but he's still a very, very good, you know, uh, shutdown guy, a good PK guy. Like he still has value on the team. Like I know it's going to happen. If he comes back, there's going to be people who are going to be mad that you tossed out a million dollars at a oh. guy who at the very least is still a very capable, you know, third pairing guy, a guy who can still lead your penalty kill. Um, the fact that Char is still able to do that at his age in this sport, is uh, I mean it's just absurd, but I would I would say probably Chara would retire first. I feel like Brady's going to be going at like you know forty seven or something like that. And so like I agree. I I think it's Chara. I think it's Chara. I don't because I, I just don't Brady. Like you're gonna have to rip the Brady. You have to rip the jersey off Brady. Like you're gonna have to freaking like grab him off the field and forcibly pull him off. Like and I think the Buccaneers are so desperate for jersey sales and attention. That they would, they they will keep him as long as he wants to play. Whereas the Patriots, obviously, not so much. After, so after he gets Bruce Arians fired this year, after because Bruce Arians just likes to throw out four verticals like in Madden. That's yes. like Bruce Arians' playbook. He's just doing that, which is not really a smart move when you got a forty-three-year-old quarterback. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I find it hilarious, by the way, that he cannot play on prime time, and essentially also just why have him throw deep? Like I know this is a Patriots podcast, but why have him throw deep? I mean, just. The short stuff, easy, easy money. But for that stuff, go follow Greg Bedard over Boston Sports Journal for that. He'll, he'll have you up on all the Patriots, all the Patriots stuff. Connor for BSJ and uh, me over at CLNS. Uh, but so um, let's get into Thanksgiving food talk because that is what the people want. That's what the people, the people have been waiting for. Um, we want to do three favorite foods of Thanksgiving and three least favorite foods of Thanksgiving. Um, and I'll start, I guess... I mean, I'll I'll start from this. I guess this will be my opening soliloquy. I don't hate any foods at Thanksgiving, really. I don't know if there's foods I hate. I think I feel like for at least for me. Now, granted, I don't have like green bean casserole or anything like that. But my the foods I eat on Thanksgiving, I like. There's nothing that I'm like, ooh. I mean, I guess we could do. I, I guess there are foods that I don't eat that I'm like, I look at and go, eh. like yeah. for instance, pecan pie. I'm allergic to. Oh, I don't, well, I don't like pecan pie that's for obvious reasons. <laughs> you have a legitimate reason then like this. I feel like usually people, if they don't like uh, a certain kind of pie or just, you know, it's either, I feel people are, who hate on pecan pie that are not allergic to it. So they can actually try it or just like. I get to be excluded. <laughs> yeah. People don't realize that it's really just like a brown sugar, like bomb is all it is. Like it's not, you know, people who I think haven't tried it yet. It's like, no, it's just sugar. That's why it's good. That's why people eat pecan pie. That's all it really is. I will say, though, as a young kid, I remember talking pies. I used to love pumpkin pie because it was uniform and it didn't. It wasn't all over the place. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, my love for apple pie has far surpassed pumpkin pie. Like, oh. I don't – if there's two pies and I can only eat one, it's apple 100 out of 100 times. Oh, and apple pie is the king. King. King, king. I would not like, – apple pie to me, I mean, like – it's funny during the year, no one says like, "Oh, I'm gonna make a pumpkin pie in like 
June. <laughs> like Funko Buy really is one time, one day of the year. Yeah. Uh, whereas Apple Pie, like if you get apples in like February, you know, mom's like, oh, I'll make apple pie. And it's like, oh, perfect. Um, but to me, I don't, I don't see the need for pumpkin pie just because apple pie is so superior. I, I like the pumpkin flavor if it's in like other stuff. Like I'm not getting a pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks like in September. I'm not like amped for that, but like I, I'll do it in like, they have it like for, for like Dunkin' Coffee. I'll get it there and they have like actually a pretty good flavor, but I don't, I couldn't like knock out like, a whole slice of pumpkin pie. Like I'd rather have like an apple pie and do something else than I'd rather waste those calories on two slices of apple pie than one of pumpkin pie. Like it's just the thing to do. So when it comes to the meal itself, what is your favorite of the entire meal? So, so stuffing, I think is, I think is key. I've I've advanced from stuffing though, because my family usually only had like stovetop, Mm-hmm. and like stuff like that but now we're um my girlfriend makes very very good like legitimate stuffing where it's like you actually <laughs> you're like nuking it or something like that so uh stuffing's great obviously everyone i think has different you know people put a whole bunch of different shit in theirs but i feel like it's class. that's one you can just load up to if you need to just have a bunch of cobs just put like a whole bunch of stuff and you're good to go yeah easy great. um What's your take on mac and cheese? Because that's like one that I feel like people are either like very hostile about. It, it's like when people get pissed when you say that you enjoy Die Hard as Christmas movie. When it's like, all right, maybe it's not traditional, but it's still good. And also, like, why are you being so mad at me about a fucking Christmas movie? Exactly. So my mac and cheese. So my take on mac and cheese is, I'll totally be honest. I did not grow up with mac and cheese as a Thanksgiving meal. Ever. It was never part of it. Ever. Like in my 21 years, it has never been on my plate on Thanksgiving. It's never been an option. I've never even thought of it as an option. So when I saw it uh, kind of tossed around, people, I remember like people put the past couple of years, you know, with social media, I guess with polls rising on social media, people would be like, you know, what's your take on mac and cheese for Thanksgiving? And I'd be like, what? Like people have been having mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. I would like to say, I would love if mac and cheese was put into the mix for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I would love that. A good, like creamy mac, yeah. not like craft mac and cheese. No, I mean like, not, I mean like around here, Evan. Like breadcrumbs and like thick, like yeah. thick with two C type mac and cheese. Um, you know, and that that kind I would love if it's made right. If it's not made right, I don't want it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I I I don't I I don't have the passion in me to like. I don't. It's not one of those like passionate issues for me where i'm like oh my god thanksgiving you cannot have mac and cheese it doesn't make sense like it doesn't i don't care it's good like mac and cheese is great if yeah. you were like oh you know do you put brussels sprouts with your thanksgiving i'd be like fuck no like screw that no one does that uh but mac and cheese i'm not like passionate for or against it um mm-hmm. i would just say that it is i would love to have it but i've just never grown up with it but it, i guess it makes sense with the plate i mean you ha- I, I guess it kind of goes with everything else, right? I mean, what about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, so we weren't like mac and cheese. We didn't have it for a long time. We only recently have done it. But again, it's like one of those ones where you like, the first time we, we had it, we're like, why did we do this before? Like, we all like <laughs> mac and cheese here. We're not like, we don't have like the craziest palate in the, the Ryan household. So like, we all, who doesn't like mac <laughs> and cheese? Like, screw it. We'll add this to the, add this to the mix. So. It's it's good, you know. It doesn't. It's not that hard to to do. You can't like really fuck up mac and cheese. Like you can ruin a turkey or something like that. But um, 
it's just like consistently good. You have something that you know you can fall back on and you're like you're excited to have it. Like no one ever is like pissed that they have to eat mac and cheese. Yeah, no, mac and cheese is where it's at. Like I don't I don't think anyone's like, oh man, there's mac and cheese. Like yeah. everyone likes mac and cheese. Um, um what were we gonna say? But yeah, after that, I mean, like, I think the other consistent one has to be mashed potatoes and gravy. I mean, oh yeah, I, I think that one. Who doesn't like either one of those two things? I mean, they're staples. Again, I think it's really tough to screw up mashed potatoes. So, uh, you know, I think that one kind of rounds up the list. Even though I will say, I'm a fan of almost any veggie. I'll take like veg- I'm always have been veggies over fruit like my whole life. So, Ooh. yeah. So like, I'll take any veggie you want to throw out there. I'm probably game for it. Like uh, corn, green beans, green beans rule. And yeah, I mean, I heard, I hear you talking shit about Brussels sprouts, man. Brussels sprouts are fucking good, man. Brussels sprouts really? are a great vegetable. They're well, lovely. You, spr- roast, you roast them? Oh, dude. Oh, mine have always been sauteed. I mean, either or, man. I got uh, Brussels sprouts regardless. They get, they get, they've been dragged our entire life through a childhood of like people in cartoons make like roasting like, uh, Brussels sprouts, but they're great, man. The love Brussels sprouts could use some good advertising because, as you said, they have been yeah, just they've completely. Been they've been can- they were canceled before it was cool to cancel things. Like yeah. they were canceled so long ago. I'm not a Brussels sprouts guy. I mean, I eat it with. I, I can't eat a Brussels sprout. Sprout. I don't like eating it straight. I'd rather like take it on my fork and then put like something else on my fork with it, so it, like kind of covers up the taste. But I'm also a vegetable guy. I like vegetables, broccoli. Corn, carrots, like I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I like it more than fruit. Like to me, you give me a nice, juicy, fresh piece of pineapple or uh, strawberries, and I'm eating it a hundred times, probably before a vegetable. I think. And the other thing about fruit that scares me is like I'll eat it. Like I don't. I hate cantaloupe and melon. Yeah. And those no. things because yeah. it always makes my mouth itch. Always, yeah. it always has. It's little. It's like too fresh. That it makes my mouth itch. My then I'm like, am I allergic? Am I not? So it's like I just I'm not eating it. Yeah, it's fine. I just eat it, but I just don't like it that much. So whenever I get like a fruit cup, like I'll put it in this perspective: when you get a fruit cup, you get like grapes, strawberries, pineapples, then like melon, cantaloupe, honeydew, and I always eat just the pineapple, the grapes, the strawberries. Whereas if I got a vegetable cup with like corn, carrots, broccoli, green beans all that stuff, I probably would eat every single part of it. So maybe I am a vegetable guy and maybe this is my like opening up as a vegetable person. And I've just have never realized that you made me realize it. We've, we've, hit um, a break, yeah. we've hit a breaking point. Now, do you put gravy on everything or just the mashed potatoes? I think you can put gravy on everything. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I, no I, doubt. I mean, I wouldn't put it on like my, my mac and cheese, I'm not a fucking savage, but you know, it'd probably still be fine. Yeah, it'd probably be good. I mean, to me, I'm a gravy on everything. And I'm also now, do you on your plate, is everything separate or is everything kind of one and the same? Like, do you like end up eating? To, I like to keep things separately. I don't like the mashed potatoes. You know, I don't need the, the, uh, the rolls to be getting like emulsified by the, the gravy or something like that. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I'm not like, I'm not like a super stickler where, you know, there's people who have like this segmented like plate. I'm like, all right, no, we're, not fucking, we're not in cafeteria. Yet, it's a lunchable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not having lunchables, but. I, I don't like having like a, a goulash of like just stuff like thrown on the plate. Well, I obviously keep it nice and orderly, but I don't like when I eat my stuffing, I don't just eat the stuffing. I eat the stuffing. Oh, yeah. No. The piece of turkey. Okay. So then we agree on that. Um, 
So what do you think of turkey? Because I remember I, I never thought of turkey in this sense. When you think about it, um, there's no turkey houses. Chicken, there's chicken houses, and there's KFC, and there's you know places such as mm-hmm. steak. There's steak houses. There's no turkey houses. It makes me kind of think, is turkey overrated? Like, yeah. is turkey kind of over – like, does turkey kind of get a free pass um, because of everything else being so good that it's kind of like – in and of itself, turkey like isn't that great, but it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, what's a good example? Like who's a player that gets carried? Um, who who's a player that's got historically carried in their career? Mm-hmm. Like when Matt Bolesky was on the line with Ryan Getzlav and Corey Perry, yeah, kind of like that. Like you couldn't see how bad it was or how subpar it was until it was off on its own. So if yeah. you just had turkey, just turkey, I think people would go, well, meh, meh. Like, I don't think turkey's that amazing. I think out of the whole plate, turkey actually, it's kind of like Seinfeld. Like, I love Jerry. I love Jerry. I'm a big right. Jerry Seinfeld guy. But as an actor, he was the, by far the worst of everyone, oh, yeah. but he was like the most popular of the four. Right. But he was kind of surrounding himself car- with genius. He was carried by Kramer and George and Elaine. So it's yeah. kind of like, I guess the same thing. Yeah, oh, I mean, I think turkey straight up sucks. I don't, I don't even like. You know, we we obviously have a turkey, but I I regularly don't have actually get the turkey on my plate. I don't, I don't really. You know, we usually have like a. I don't know if we're doing it this year, where it's a smaller kind of thing, but we usually have like a, a nice ham as like a backup. Oh so yes, switch things up because like I, I, the only time we'll have turkey if it's like a deli slice, like smoked turkey or something. Yeah. Like that. I. Like, if you carve up a turkey, whether it's white meat or dock meat, I'm like, nah, I'm fine. I got my mac and cheese. I'm just, I'm gonna have just carbs. I'm gonna have carbs and pass out in two hours. So that, that's all I need. So yeah, I, 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 I'm not a big turkey guy. Big dumb burger anyway. It's ugly. It's loud. Stupid. And they always, I, it's, I love, uh, the White House pardons one every year. And I think it's so pointless. Like, I think it's like funny, but it's just like really stupid. And my favorite part is like, they put them up in a hotel. They put like the turkeys up in a hotel room. Um, and my favorite part is all the people replying like, that's taxpayer dollars. <laughs> like that, that's our money. <laughs> it's like I, look I, at government, I, baby. Look what it's going towards. I feel more bad for like the poor like person who has to clean up that room after. Or they walk by and just get the stupid thing just gobbling in the thing. It's like, They're like damn, again? Yeah. <laughs> Another <laughs> year. Yeah, I know. Turkeys suck. Tur- yeah, turkey. Turkey is just, uh, I'm not, I'm not a big turkey guy. I don't hate it. I eat it every year. Um, cause I just like eat it with like the mashed potatoes and the stuffing. Um, you can, but you I haven't, you can coat it in other stuff, as you said, though. You can put like gravy and like mashed potatoes and like, yeah, stuff. it's like, you can just, it's, it's like putting char just on the penalty kill or like the third line minutes. It's like you yeah. just kind of, you're sheltering it. Um, but I, I, I haven't had a ham on Thanksgiving in a long time, but our family used to, uh, there was this place called Gerard's Farm in Framingham, and it would it was the best. It, they basically would make your whole Thanksgiving dinner for like ten to fifteen people. They would make it somehow like the day of Thanksgiving, so you could pick you could pick it up turkey everything one day. You could pick it up the day of Thanksgiving, so you could bring it home and just put it on the table and eat it. It was like the the greatest invention since sliced bread. Seriously, since sliced bread. Yeah. Um, it was the best. And then they like, I think they like went bankrupt. I don't know what happened, but they just, I, I, poof, they were gone I, one day. I thought you were going to say that they made, they made you the, all the food for $10. I'm like, well, I see why they're freaking bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> they're really not, no, it was, the market price, it but. was a lot more than 10 bucks, but 
Um, it was great. Like it was awesome because you could just put it on the table and just eat it. It was amazing. Um, and then in the past, when once they were gone, we just went to like a we went to a different person's house because they would just they would cook the whole meal. So it was like, oh, we just took it up off their meal. Uh, but uh, that the Gerard's place always had ham. You got a ham. I think you had ham and a turkey. So it was mm-hmm. perfect because you had both. Uh, and talk about leftovers. Uh, but now it's just a turkey. So I, I do kind of wish we went back to the ham because ham, I think, to me is. Just so superior, yeah. um, so superior. No, um, and I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that I'm like. I've never had casserole. I've never had like green bean casserole on Thanksgiving. It's never been like a staple of my family. Um, yeah. Do you? I, it's funny when people always put like shrimp out as an appetizer or like crackers and cheese. For me, there's no appetizer. I'm going. I'm saving my whole stomach. Starving yourself. Uh, yeah. Yes, I'm fasting for that meal. I'm like uh, when. The guy from um, Man vs. Food would, like, not eat for, like, a week to go, like, eat, like, a 32-pound cheeseburger. Yeah. Um, so I'm in that sense. But, yeah, that's Thanksgiving. That's Thanksgiving talk. I don't think there's anything. I think we covered everything. We um, covered everything. Did, or, didn't fight each other, so. No, we kind of agreed on stuff. I don't I, I don't. I thought I was like, going to get flagged for the turkey thing. I'm glad I found another person who thinks turkey is yeah. fine, if not bad in my case. But, like, the people who reveal the turkey, it's like, it's – it's not worth you, it. Think about it. You can never eat turkey straight. It's not like a, you can eat like a piece of chicken. Like people are eating chicken off of the bone. Nobody's like grabbing a turkey bone. Going, nung, nung, oh, yeah. nung, nung. Like, like it's, King Richard's Fair, some other dumb shit like that. So. Yeah, you're you're crazy if you do that. But anyways, that's Thanksgiving. I hope you and your family, Connor, have a great Thanksgiving. And to listeners, I hope you guys have an amazing Thanksgiving full of great food. Um, and before I let you go, is there anything that you're working on? before yeah we have a couple of uh, prospect updates that we're dropping in the next couple of days so uh follow over at uh, bostonsportsjournal.com subscribe there and you can follow me on twitter at connor ryan underscore 93 do all that and for for clms media i'm f marinovsky that's connor ryan at boston sports journal this has been poke the bear and you your listeners have an amazing thanksgiving <laughs>